Hi, welcome to episode 10 of Global Exchanges, a podcast about foreign exchange markets and related issues. I'm Greg Anderson. In this week's episode, my co-host Stephen Gao and I will be talking about the break below 640 in dollar CNH, along with its causes and implications. The title for this episode is RMB at a Crossroads. Hi, I'm Stephen Gallo, a London-based FX strategist. Welcome to Global Exchanges, presented by BMO Capital Markets. Hi, I'm Greg Anderson, a New York-based FX strategist. I'm Stephen's co-host. In each weekly podcast like today's, we discuss our perspectives on the global economy and the foreign exchange market. We also bring in guests from the FX industry and from related financial markets like commodities. We strive to make this show as interactive as possible, so don't hesitate to reach out by going to bmocm.com slash global exchanges. Thanks for joining us. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. Well, Mr. Anderson, it's the 25th of May, 2021. And I remember the last time we did the podcast a week ago, we mentioned, or I think you mentioned, in fact, the trend is your friend. And since that podcast, the Fed's broad nominal trade-weighted dollar is down another three-tenths of 1%. Not a huge move, but certainly when you look at things on a quarter-to-date basis, a sizable move, down 3% in the same index Q2 to date. So I have to ask you, is the trend still our friend? What's driving this? What are your thoughts on the U.S. dollar as we sit here and watch it bleed lower? Well, Mr. Gallo, Responding from deep within the matrix, I expected this bleed, so I don't feel like I have a ton of new things to add. We're still being influenced by the same drivers. Ongoing global QE, which helps boost global commodity and equity prices, and that puts downward pressure on the global numerera, which is the dollar. Plus, there's the gaping U.S. external deficit, but really, that's all same old stuff. The only thing that's really new over the past week is that we have a couple of pairs, I'll call them breakout buddies, where we have reached interesting levels. One is dollar Canada at 120 the figure, although we haven't been able to break below that figure yet. And the other is dollar CNH. And we did break below 640 the figure last night. So I want to ask you, Stephen, what are your thoughts on that one? Well, given the title of the podcast, Greg, I'm not surprised that you passed the buck to me. Sort of a cheap shot on your part. But in any case, I've got to dive into what has been going on in the RMB here. I think you're right and wrong. So I think you're right on one count and wrong on another. Let me take the wrong first. I think you're wrong because the move in dollar China has been largely driven by the USD. And I've been pointing out for weeks now that the RMB has not been leading the move in the dollar. It's been a follower of the move. And you can see this when you look at the constellations of returns in the EM and the G10 spaces. The RMB is nowhere near the top of the EM pack. And if you look at if the RMB were a G10 currency, it would be towards the bottom of returns in Q2 to date. So around about where the Australian dollar has performed in Q2 to date. So not a great return in the RMB. Having said that, where I think you're right, the 640 level is important. 
And the reason that we need to talk about this is because if we go back the last couple of weeks, the RMB was kind of off the radar screen for many investors. And the way I like to put it is that if a third of the market was looking at what dollar RMB was doing for the past two weeks, now that we've crossed through 640, 70% of the FX market is going to be looking at it. And I think the PBOC will be very well aware of the fact that now that 640 has been breached, they have the potential to really speed the move up in the dollar, the downside that is, or slow it down. Stephen, just to defend my view a little bit, I completely agree that Chinese policymakers typically try not to have the RMB lead when it comes to currency moves. That was probably their intent here. Nevertheless, we are not at this year's extremes in euro dollar, nor in dollar yen, nor in uh, Aussie USD. But we are in dollar CNH. We got down to 642 other times this year, back in February and then two weeks ago. In both of those instances, support at 640 held. Now I've got another old technician's rhyme for you. Doubles hold, but triples fold. And this triple touch of support at 640 has somewhat folded with that break below 640 last night. Well, in that sense, I think I really agree with you, Greg. I think the best near-term strategy is to remain in short-dollar RMB exposures right now. And of course, there are other routes investors can take other than just spot-dollar RMB. And that may even make a lot more sense in the current policy environment. Policy environment, we'll get to that in a bit. But this whole picture raises an interesting question. Is there anything the PBOC can really do about the weak dollar? Now, my personal perspective is that the PBOC could have done without a move below 640 in dollar RMB, even though a weak dollar is a much smaller problem for China to have than a prolonged period of dollar appreciation. But halting RMB strength altogether, I think, takes regulators in China way too far out of their comfort zone in terms of the FX they'd have to acquire through intervention the degree to which they'd have to restrict inbound capital flow, or the degree to which they'd have to suppress interest rates to drastically slow the move up in the RMB. So they basically just have to live with this dollar weakness, I think, Greg. Stephen, when you say that China might need to live with US dollar weakness, i.e. RMB strength, is that because of the trade surplus? And I'll highlight that after the quirks of Q1 data, which is always distorted by the timing of Chinese New Year, April's trade surplus was $43 billion when measured in U.S. dollars. Great points there, Greg, especially bringing the trade picture into view. We'll have to see what happens going forward. But I'm currently working off the assumption that we saw the peak for the current account in the trade surplus in late 2020. Though I would point out you always have to practice a bit of humility with China since it can be so tricky to analyze. So we'll see what happens. But nevertheless, this is still a good time to be asking questions about where policymakers want China's economy to go from here. Let's start with what we know. In 2020, we know that the main drivers of China's huge economic outperformance were net exports, inventory accumulation, public investment, and government consumption. For this year, we know that policymakers have been attempting to slow the public investment side of the economy via their influences over things like the credit channels. And we also know that there's an overhang of inventories which needs to be depleted. Household consumption is definitely going to bounce back this year. In fact, you can see it already in the data. But we know that household income growth is restrained. 
and policymakers may not want household leverage growth to take off in order to supplement low income growth because of the financial stability risks that breeds. So the question is, what happens if a period of prolonged RMB appreciation chokes off exports? And on that point, I note that the BAS's measure of the real effective value of the RMB, it's at a level where you can't really describe the RMB as cheap. So do policymakers carry on with their normalization of monetary and fiscal policy if exports get choked off? Or do they halt normalization and risk a further buildup of imbalances in the economy? You can see the type of balancing act that they have to follow here, can't you, Greg? Hey, Stephen. Good point about the real effective RMB. I'll also note that China's CFETs index, which it itself publishes, also isn't exactly cheap. It's pretty much back to where it was uh, in the first half of 2018 before Trump slapped it lower by starting that trade war that ultimately led to a bunch of new tariffs on Chinese goods. Inclusive of those tariffs, the RMB definitely isn't cheap. So I get what you're saying about the current account surplus probably being at its peak or past its peak. But for now, it's there. And so there's an overhang of dollars that maybe lasts for another two or three quarters, which would more or less line up with roughly the timing of when the Fed would likely start to taper its bond purchases. Well, look, Greg, I'm always willing to be proved wrong because at least in that case, I will have learned something on the trade side of the equation. But I'd also note that the FX settlement in sales data published by SAFE is starting to suggest that the buildup of U.S. dollars onshore purely as a result of net trade is ebbing. But in any case, as I said, we'll see. But on that note, you're right to bring up the eventual exit from extremely loose policy settings by the Fed. And if there's one central bank that will go out of its way to not get caught off guard by Fed policy shifts, it's the PBOC. And that is why I would continue to emphasize what policymakers are doing to manage domestic financial stability and exchange rate risks. And we shouldn't be surprised if over the balance of the year, the central bank makes changes in order to influence the outbound and inbound flow of capital. So if you don't mind, Stephen, let me pin you down on your outlook for the RMB. Where do you see the dollar CNH exchange rate in three months, six months, nine months, and one year from now? Well, Greg, three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, I'd give you 638, 635, 633, and 640 for dollar CNH. I think that's a good place to end it. Thank you, listeners, for sticking with us through this whole episode. Next week, we will be participating in the Macro Horizons podcast with our colleagues in fixed income strategy. So watch for that podcast. We will be back with our next edition of Global Exchanges FX-specific podcast on Tuesday, June 8th. Thanks for listening to Global Exchanges. Listen to past episodes and find transcripts at bmocm.com slash global exchanges. We'd love to hear what you thought of today's episode. You can send us an email or reach out to us on Bloomberg. You can listen to this show and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider. This show and resources are supported by our team here at BMO, including the FIC Macro Strategy Group and BMO's marketing team. This show is produced and edited by Puddle Creative. This podcast has been prepared with the assistance of employees of Bank of Montreal, BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated, and BMO Capital Markets Corporation. Together, BMO, who are involved in fixed income and foreign exchange sales and marketing efforts. 
Accordingly, it should be considered to be a product of the fixed income and foreign exchange businesses generally, and not a research report that reflects the views of disinterested research analysts. Notwithstanding the foregoing, this podcast should not be construed as an offer or the solicitation of an offer to sell or to buy or subscribe for any particular product or services, including, without limitation, any commodities, securities, or other financial instruments. We are not soliciting any specific action based on this podcast. It is for the general information of our clients. It does not constitute a recommendation or a suggestion that any investment or strategy referenced herein may be suitable for you. It does not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial conditions, or needs of individual clients. Nothing in this podcast constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a representation that any investment or strategy is suitable or appropriate to your unique circumstances, or otherwise constitutes an opinion or a recommendation to you. BMO is not providing advice regarding the value or advisability of trading in commodity interests, including futures contracts and commodity options, or any other activity which would cause BMO or any of its affiliates to be considered a commodity trading advisor under the U.S. Commodity Exchange Act. BMO is not undertaking to act as a swap advisor to you or in your best interests in you, to the extent applicable, will rely solely on advice from your qualified independent representative in making hedging or trading decisions. This podcast is not to be relied upon in substitution for the exercise of independent judgment. You should conduct your own independent analysis of the matters referred to herein, together with your qualified independent representative, if applicable. BMO assumes no responsibility for verification of the information in this podcast. No representation or warranty is made as to the accuracy or completeness of such information, and BMO accepts no liability whatsoever for any loss arising from any use of or reliance on this podcast. BMO assumes no obligation to correct or update this podcast. This podcast does not contain all information that may be required to evaluate any transaction or matter, and information may be available to BMO and or its affiliates that is not reflected herein. BMO and its affiliates may have positions, long or short, and affect transactions or make markets in securities mentioned herein, or provide advice or loans to, or participate in the underwriting or restructuring of the obligations of issuers and companies mentioned herein. Moreover, BMO's trading desks may have acted on the basis of the information in this podcast. For further information, please go to bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.